Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. G-A-L-D-E-M G-A-L-D-E-M This song is good. Hello and welcome to Galdem's first ever podcast. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name's Liv, I'm Galdem's founder. And for those of you who don't know, Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to platforming the voices, perspectives and creative work of women and non-binary people of colour. Hello, I'm Charlie. I'm the head of editorial at Galdem and I'll be co-hosting our podcast with Liv. We're super excited to be starting our journey with you. Each week we'll invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up with Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our podcast, Growing Up with Galdem. This week on Growing Up with Galdem, we are joined by the incredible Amanda Seals. Amanda is a comedian, actress, writer, producer, although this is not by any means an extensive list and we need to box in all of her incredible achievements. Um, she had an incredibly powerful storyline as Tiffany in the latest season of Insecure, which made all of us weep and feel. And she also has a master's in African-American studies from Columbia University and is the creator and host of the hit live music comedy game show, smart funny and black thank you so much for joining us today amanda thanks for having me because the theme of the podcast is obviously all about growing up we were wondering if to kind of kick us off you might have a story you could share with us about your past maybe even your most sort of like 
embarrassing, cringy moment from your teenage years or from when you were a kid that you could share with us? I'll share a moment of when I embarrass someone else. How about that? <laughs> My first experience with racism was when I was eight and I was dancing in a show at Disney World. And the show was called The Sparkling Christmas Spectacular. Um, and it was 10 kids, five boys, five girls, like that are make up a family. So you had like the mom, the dad, the son, the daughter, like that was the vision. And um, there was this one particular kid who like made it his business to inform me, like, just so you know, you only got picked because you're black. Okay. Like you're not as good as everybody else. And I was like, I mean, you know, if that's the case, then so be it. <laughs> like, I'm still here with y'all getting paid the same. But he would like really drive this home to the point where he got the other kids on board and they would, you know, bully me and harass me. And like when we did Secret Santa, like my Secret Santa, like gave me like a half empty eaten bag of candy and was like, Merry Christmas. Like, so, you know, shit like that. And um, one day him and I were sitting waiting for, like they have like a chaperone that takes us around backstage. So we were sitting waiting and I was sitting on my little makeup kit and he's sitting across from me and he kicked the makeup kit like out from under me. And I fell and I calmly replaced it. And I sat back on the kit and I was like, don't do it again. And he was like, I can do whatever I freaking want, right? Mind you, we're eight. I just want you to know. Oh, right. I'd, I'd projected you being like 15 <laughs> or something in this. <laughs> you know why you projected me as 15? Because black children oftentimes are either made adults by others or we're forced to end up having to think like adults because we're in situations that are not allowing us mm -hmm. to be children. That's why you felt like that. So he he's like, I can do whatever I want to. You can't tell me what to do. You don't run me. You're not the boss of me. And remember, this is also coming from the heels of like, I know you think I'm less than you because you've already made it explicitly clear that you think I'm less than you. So, you know, like my little eight-year-old brain is just like, I don't like him. I'm not going to take it. The chaperone has not come back yet. He hits my caboodle again. Again, I'm like, don't do that anymore. And of course, because he's like, I'm a young, blonde, white boy. I can do whatever I want. And I'm at Disney. This is like my kingdom. Um, he's like, ha! And he does it one more time. And I black out. It was like Wolverine. Like my, I took my, my nails. And I was like, <laughs> And I like dug my nails into his arm. And I was like, <laughs> And the chaperone came out. And I swear to God. She let this happen for at least 10 seconds. <laughs> she was a sister. She let that go down for at least 10 seconds before she was like, okay, let's break it up. Break it up. Break it up. And he's like, <laughs> doing a whole performance. I'm just like, I mean, he did this. Then he did this. Then he did this. Then I did that. So when we got back to like the base camp and the parents find out, you know, he's up in a roar. And this is why you got to rock with your children because they tell my mom, my mom was like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> the correct behavior. <laughs> yeah. right. I think a lot of us 
have either wanted to wolverine someone or have also been in that very same situation as well with young white boys there was there was a boy in my school called kevin who was like the only white kid actually and um he used to chase me around the playground and there was one day where i i chased him back but um i didn't quite get my nails out he was the only white yeah. kid and he was yeah doing that? yeah he was brave oh. He was wow. brave. Yeah, this was before I moved to Scotland and I became the only black kid, obviously. But just to return to what you're saying about the presumption of black kids being older, I was like reading a really interesting article the other day actually called, and they've given it like a name. I don't know if you've come across this, Amanda, but it was, um, they've called it like adultification bias. And it like came mm-hmm. up after this like really, really interesting study in the US about especially black girls being presumed to be older than their actual age and overly sexualized and everything. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a really good point and thank you for raising it. How has your time in, um, in lockdown been? What have you been, what have you been doing for the past four months? My time in lockdown has been actually like hella productive. I mean, I was very fortunate that I haven't had anybody close to me um, affected by COVID. And, you know, I, I thank my lucky stars every day. For that, because I definitely have friends who have had, you know, who have lost loved ones that were close to them. When this all broke out, I was in Belize on vacation by myself. And it was the first vacation I had ever taken. I thought I had taken vacations before. No, I had just left (laughs) and was doing the same shit somewhere else. But this was like the first time that I actually was like, I told my assistant, like, don't call me unless there's an emergency. And I went by myself, so I didn't have to like kind of deal with somebody else and like their stuff. And I just kind of wasn't even in contact with folks like that. And I really allowed myself to really just decompress and deal with like the last year and a half of my life, which had been just a lot of mayhem and a lot of like hurt. (laughs) So it allowed me to like kind of bring that to the water. Then my assistant called me. I'm like, what? I said, don't call me unless an emergency. And she's like, so there's a pandemic. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like that factors. And I had heard kind of like rumblings, but Belize wasn't really like affected like that. So, you know, it was was really like a, I almost stayed there. I definitely was like, I'm going to just stay my ass here. And then my mom was like, no, because this man is crazy. And I don't know what he's going to put in terms of travel ban and all kind of shippingness. So just come back. So instead of coming back to L.A., I went to Orlando to my mom. And I was there in my childhood home for three months. Um, and it allowed me a lot of time to just incubate and really kind of just deal with my own stuff in ways that I wouldn't have had life been going, you know, as normal as it would have. Because, you know, I, to be honest, the level of immersion that COVID has allowed me to do, I would have had to put life on pause. Mm-hmm. No, because I work a lot and I depend a lot on my own work as, as a source of income. So I just wouldn't have had the opportunity to do that. But it also allowed me to just kind of reconfigure my relationship to Hollywood and to my work. And then as we saw the uprisings take place, it just really helped to fortify just, you know, purpose. And I think if you come out of this quarantine with anything if you make it out of here with some more insight, yeah, you did it. Sure. And I did that. I feel like you've been providing us with like a lot of like amazing content on social media in terms of like raising awareness and 
you know, uh, giving us access to, to discourse and, and like more of the academic side, but also just providing us with a lot of laughs. Like we were talking about your um, video that you uploaded a while back. I think it was like Lord Commander of the Coons Watch about <laughs> Terry Crews. And I love that. I love the, I love the different, the different sides and the different tones. It's been much needed. What was it like for you kind of rolling out um, this, this year's season of Insecure? Was that totally different to how to how you've done things in the past. I mean, I guess, you know, there wouldn't be any events and like public, public things happening. Was it not, was it not slightly? They don't do none of that. You don't do any of that. Anyway. <laughs> that worked is cheap. Yeah, no, they don't do none of that. It's like the first season they're like, oh. and then after that, it's like, catch it on Sunday at 10 oh, really? p.m. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they, they they make it look like a lot of fanfare. And I mean, Game of Thrones is Game of Thrones. But like everything else, mm. you know, it's... It, I, I want to say we actually did more this year because we were like on the internet and doing IG Live mm. and things like that. We never did shit like that. <laughs> like, you know, so I feel like we felt more compelled this year. Uh, well, not we, but the network felt more compelled to just kind of like use the digital... Of it all, so yeah, y'all actually got more this year than you typically do. I know. I mean, we might never have been able to sit down with you, but lockdown has provided us with the ability to have you right here in front of us in a Zoom <laughs> or a form of a Zoom. In a Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> but when you were talking about um, the comedy, thank you for saying that because sometimes I feel like you know maybe it's sometimes I'm not sure if I want to bring comedy into the space because I'll feel like maybe it's like, I don't want people to ever think that I'm not connected. I don't people want to ever to think that I'm trying to like make light of the seriousness of what's going on. And so it's, it's a really fine line to walk, but I also know that like we need the laughs, like it's imperative, you know? So like I created smart, funny and black and we used to do that as a live show, but in the midst of COVID, we took it in the house and it's a virtual show now. So we do Harmony and Black in the crib. Whenever we do it, we see how necessary it is because people are just like craving laughter and community. Like our next show is on Friday and we have the stars of Hamilton, Dobby Diggs and Leslie Odom Jr. And like, it, you know, what's actually, what's actually also been dope is that it's global because it's virtual. You know, and usually we're just in whatever American city we're in, but now we're able to get folks from London and South Africa and, um, we had, you know, people from the Philippines watching last show, you know, so it's been really exciting to just see how, yes, we're in COVID and yes, we're in lockdown, but somehow like a new space was created that honestly didn't have the, I mean, I guess eventually we would have done something like that, but it was this, the necessity of it that pushed us to do this. And then people really asking for something and, you know, it feels good to be able to provide them with that. I think we need to be able to definitely hold space for black joy as much as as black pain. And I think, you know, we're consuming as black people on the Internet so many traumatic videos and things and information. Um, It's COVID. It's the fact that we're knowing that, you know, as black people, we're being disproportionately impacted by that, especially I know that a lot of us in here are black Caribbean people as well. And in the UK, that's, you know, one of the groups that's been the hardest hit. So I think, yes, we need we need all the laughs as well, for sure. It really is imperative. And I think it's a lot of like folks that just don't have a sense of humor and they make you think it's not necessary. And then 
you got to be reminded by the folks who are like, no, 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 it's necessary. We need it. And you're like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> okay, so it would be really great if you um, were able to read out the snippet that you sent over to us. I don't know if you have that in front of you. I think there's there's folks who are just now arriving at a certain level of consciousness or action um, in regards to really just having their eyes open to the reality of racism and and discrimination and, and how pervasive it is across the world. Um, and so, you know, it's it's like one of those things where when someone arrives somewhere new, they're fresh. They've got, a, they've got energy, you know, and, and they're pointing fingers and they're like, I'm here. I'm about it. So what I was going to read to you all was my personal statement from when I applied to the African-American studies program at Columbia University. And the reason why I chose this is because, like I was saying, a lot of folks just got here with their mentals. And so they have a certain level of judgment they're throwing around. And, you know, they're definitely like, I'm the wokest of wokery, you know? And it's like, <laughs> I think it's important to know that every, all of us are on different paths with this. And um, so here's how I started. I grew up in Orlando, Florida, the only child to a single mother of Grenadian birth. She planted the seed of knowledge deep within me at an early age. From grade school to high school, that seed grew. And while an, un while an undergraduate at SUNY Purchase, I realized that my tenacity for acquiring knowledge was most passionate in the subject of learning about the truth and history of Black people. Because a Black Studies major is not offered at purchase, I combined my two loves, the arts and the study of my people to create my own major, Black Studies with a concentration in the visual and performing arts, focusing not only on the arts cultivated by my race and aspects thereof, but also history and sociology. During my freshman year as an undergraduate student, I began writing, mostly hip hop verses, but they were very heavily influenced by the information I was learning. By my sophomore year, just as novels are Toni Morrison's and jazz was Miles Davis's, I found that poetry was my voice. And everything I read, study, learn, and reflect on goes into my writing. Poetry and writing are my love. And by deepening my learning on the subject I wrote about most and that I live every day, I hope to be able to make a career out of the two. I have read the works of writers like Robin D.G. Kelly, Trisha Rose, and Nelson George, who have all been able to not only write for their generation, but also look at history with different perspectives than those that came before them. And it is my want in life to do the same. In a society where reality is often overshadowed by rhetoric and fact by assumptions, I, through graduate study at Columbia University, hope to empower myself with the erudition to be more than just a voice in the crowd, but a speaker for my people and my generation. Knowledge and a voice are the two most powerful things to have in this world. And the further I extend my education, the stronger the two will be. When I watch television and become smothered with ignorance, and I listen to the radio and am rattled with the unconsciousness of so many of today's musicians, I become more and more motivated to doing what is necessary to place myself in the position to lead, enlighten the ignorant, and give voice to the voiceless. I see so many of my peers blind to the ways of this society and to what they can be, and I hope to, through my education, not only extend beyond all barriers that my race, class, and gender have constructed, but further my ability to help others conquer them as well. Whether teaching through poetry or text, in front of a classroom or in a lecture hall, it is my life's work and I feel that graduate study is necessary to my being able to complete that task 
to the best of my abilities. It's a powerful personal statement. I can see why you got into the uni. (laughs) How does it feel sort of reflecting on that time? Like, do you remember where you were when you wrote it? And you seem to have a lot of conviction about the life you were going to lead, which I think is really impressive for for being, you know, a young person. I mean, I was all (laughs) ready to like be done with school and like go into the world. And a professor had stopped me on campus. He just like was known to be like psychic and he would hold your hand and give you a reading. And he held my hand and was like, oh, you got to go get your master's. And I was like, no, we're done. And he said, no, you're going to change the world and you need your master's to do it. And he said it so nonchalantly that you're just like, if a professor that you respect tells you something like that, like you got to just bite the bullet and do it. So You know, I applied to these three schools, Columbia Temple and NYU. I did not get into NYU. They said that my GRE, my score was not high enough. But at this time, I was doing a lot of spoken word. And for what it's worth, like, I just was so engorged with information by this point in my my learning that I had not had access to in high school. And I really was at, like, my wokest, you know, like... You got the youth on your back. You got um, information. You know, you're filled with information. And, you know, you just feel like, all right, now it's time to, like, hit the ground running. And so this was a very important turning point time. And I got to say, like, going to that program is what made me a lot of the thinker I am in terms of how I synergize my work, I mean, exactly what I wrote in that statement is what that program did for me in terms of giving me foundations and insights and, you know, just comparative analysis and tools and critical thinking that I could put into my work as a comedian, as an artist, as a poet, you know, and I don't write poetry like that anymore, but, you know, being a comic is still about lyrics. I always wanted to be this like rapper and people would know my raps, but now it's like people know my jokes. So it's like, whatever. It's the same shit. Um, At the start of the extract, you talk about how your mum planted a seed of knowledge. How did she do that for you? I mean, from early, 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 my mom, who's from Grenada, she was just always like, it wasn't just bedtime story time. It was also student's companion time. And she would like, she had this thing called the student's companion. And it's like an old British book of just facts. And they, they renew it every year. And it has like the longest rivers, the tallest mountains, the widest rivers. You know, what what is the baby of these these different animals called? What are the different herds of animals called? Like all these types of things. And so my mom would literally quiz me on this. So I have like a lot of like Jeopardy knowledge just because, you know, that was kind of like something my mom would do. And and I think just in general, my mom was always somebody who really just is is curious. She's a curious person. So we always had books. You know, that's why it's like, it's just so important to surround your children with books. Like I had a boyfriend who just was always getting his kids stuff. And I'm like, I'm not saying don't get them stuff, but like bring a book in there too. You know, if you're going to get them a new backpack, put some books in the backpack. You know, you over here buying an eight-year-old a Hermes chain. <sighs> yeah. You know, what I'm like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, you buy enough for you, not for the child. But my mom, you know, and like my mom is obsessed with Shakespeare. So, 
you know, every March 15th, it's beware the, you know, the eyes of March have come, but not yet gone. So yeah. I think that's the thing about Caribbean parents. My mom didn't let me watch TV until I was quite old. So, really? um, now, yeah. see, that's where we differ because my mom loves television. I really, yeah, she, I wasn't allowed till I was like nine or 10, I think. I mean, I was a Sesame Street kid. She wasn't allowed the whole like plop you in front of it and that's it. But I definitely yeah, yeah. like, my punishment was you can't watch the Cosby show. Like that was serious <laughs> thing, you know? And I would have to call my aunt, like, I need you to intervene because she's wilding. This is, un- this is taking it too far. Yeah, we also have very close relationship with, with our aunties as well, so I'm sure we can relate to that. Our aunties are like the soft ones, and then our mums are like the the more stern ones. So <laughs> we, we feel you. We feel you. Um- cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, one thing I, I want to come back to you that you sort of touched on earlier is like, is this professor sort of telling you and holding your hand and, and being like, you know, this is what you need to do. And it sounds like from there you just flew and you followed, you took his advice and you got the master's. But has there ever been a time sort of since that moment that you wrote the statement where you have ever felt uncertain about positioning yourself as a leader and a speaker, like within the black community, or has it been mostly plain sailing and, and you've just risen? Nothing is plain sailing and risen. I mean, even if you're, even if you're sure of what you should do, that doesn't mean it's like easy. Um, Because then there's a whole world of people who are like, who the fuck are you? You know? So, I mean, I think for me, it's, that's always been my course. There's been times where I was just, Tired of feeling like I was fighting for folks that don't see me as them, um, whether because I'm light skinned or whether because my mother is from Grenada. I mean, in America, there's like this whole narrative of like folks who are like, oh, Amanda is mixed and therefore she's not black and she can't speak about black issues. 
And it's like, well, both of my parents are black. Uh, even if I was mixed, I'm still a black woman. And I've never understood the concept of trying to take down folks who are ardently in support of your wellness. I don't understand that. Um, I think it's it's really unfortunate how um, how pervasive we just see the effort to try and undermine leaders. And we saw it with our, you know, we romanticize mm-hmm. the 60s, but, you know, there were folks that were shitting on Baldwin and Malcolm and Martin. And, you know, these folks weren't just like wholly embraced. Like, no, they had a lot of detractors. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I don't, I've never questioned that purpose as much as I've just at points been like, do I want to continue this purpose in this way? Is there a different way? Is there a less public way? I think for me, it's kind of like I was sent to use my voice. So until I bump up against some other way of doing that, the most organic way is to just speak. But anyone who tells you it's been smooth sailing is lying to you and on heavy antidepressants. <laughs> to be fair, as I was saying that, I was like, you know what? No one, <laughs> no one has lived that life. No one has lived that life. No, like even the most privileged of folks have their own yeah, stuff, sure. you know? So it is what it is. I mean, as Black folks, we have different obstacles that are on top of your own stuff, and that's what makes it privileged versus not. Um, but being human is traumatic. So, and then being a black human is traumatic. And then being a black woman is traumatic. And so, you know, I mean, it's just, the world was not made up for us. So it's a lot. And then, and then you have the nerve to have like ambition. How do you sort of deal with those like, those dissenting voices especially when they come from like within the community I know you're like an advocate for you know looking after yourself as well are there specific like practices or like boundaries or like barriers or things that you have to put in place I mean I block like I I am known for a good block and I don't need to have a valid reason I saw that video of you just going through and blocking people (laughs) yeah like and I just don't you know and, and people are like you're just blocking everybody it's like I might like it's my page. If I'm just in a bad mood and you rub me the wrong way, I can, I'm blocking you. Like, I don't owe you anything. And I think that's the thing. It's like people really, really feel like people owe them, like, space. And it's like, I don't owe you space. If I decide to give you space, there's that. And, and for what it's worth, it's like, in the best of, in the best of scenarios, we are reciprocal how we give space but what what happens on these internets is a lot of people taking you know a lot of people taking a lot of people coming in to tell you about you and it's like i didn't tell somebody this morning i don't know if you know this but i don't care about your opinion on what i'm saying or how i use my platform and and i'm not quite sure why you think i should uh care about your opinion i don't know you i don't even you don't even have a picture your, your Abby is like a fox with a hat on. <laughs> I need some more of this energy in my life. I'm going to just stop blocking. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I will tell you, I'm, I'm 39. So it's like, I've worked up to this. Like you just, 
And I didn't grow up in the same space and time that you guys did. I had a lot of time without social media. So, you know, it really is pervasive, but it's even more important that your generation be ardent about your boundaries and about how you interact with social media and really understanding how you have to meter it. Your mother kept you away from TV for that long for a reason. You're going to have to apply those same rules to social media for a certain reason, because there is a protection that you have to have. There's so much wrong information. There's so much negative energy. There's so much posturing. I mean, but there's also so much goodness. So it's like, how do you, like, I know with me and my mom in television, like my television experience is very curated, you know? So I wasn't watching a lot of, you know, smut and BS. I was watching really like educational, high quality content for like much of my life to the point where like now, like I can't stand mindless television. You know, people love that. They're like, oh, I watch reality TV. I watch mindless television. I don't, like to me, when people call TV the idiot box, I'm like, we weren't watching the same TV. <laughs> That's Liv is like looking shook there because that is definitely her. But <laughs> <laughs> listen, I no, love it but... all. Okay, I love it all. <laughs> to me, like even in the stuff I create, like I want you to, I want there to be value to it, right? So, like with social media, it's the same thing. Like people are on these gossip blogs, they're following like booty models, like they're just doing a whole lot of wasted space shit just because it's there. And it's like, you have to make the conscious decision to say, what is my relationship with this going to be? So like, I know for me, I have followed a lot of stuff that doesn't serve me. You know, um, you know, I just made it more of a nurturing space. So that's been helpful. Like just, I want to be informed. I want to see an abundance of baby animals. Um, I want to see hella animal rescues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to see that. do you watch do you you know, the dodo that's my latest thing <laughs> of course i watch the dodo but i have a beef i have a beef with the dodo though because i don't know if because they're animal centered but they really just don't feel compelled to show representation on their platform and i've been at them about this consistently so much so that i even hit up one of their senior editors who is a black oh, really? man okay yes and he you know, I hit him up directly. He did not hit me oh. back yet. But I'm just like, look at your peers. Look at your colleagues. Look at all these. Like, this is a time. Yeah, yeah. This is a time. And the fact of the matter is, when you speak to Black people in animal conservation and wellness and wildlife, they will tell you there is racism because mm-hmm. there's racism yeah, everywhere. But they will tell you that there's discrimination in that yeah. space. So it's like, this is a real thing. And... You know, if I had my way, I would start my own dodo called like the Bobo. Do it. <laughs> so black folks animal conservation. Yeah. Because I'm just really like, I'm really like, yo, we get put into these margins and then people come up with all these narratives for why we're in these margins. And it's none other than simply just we weren't given access. But there's still mavericks and there's still people who are like, No, like I'm carving out, I'm carving out space. So, you know, I do that. I cut off my comments on my page. So the only people that can comment on my Instagram are people that I follow. People find this to be egregious. And I'm like, listen, I've done my time. Fair, fair. I've done my time with with the the clapbacks and the trolls and the hoteps and the just, and just the people who just feel like I'm going to show you, you know, and it's like, we don't know how, we we don't have enough respect for each other 
for me to feel comfortable keeping that space open, which is why I started my app, SFB Society, which is a safe space to have discourse, to share, to create, you know, spaces of creativity, et cetera. And really it's all about black joy and fighting the power and wanting and, and creating a space where we can fight for our joy and fight the power. So there's comedy in that space in abundance. I create original content in there. We're about to start courses. We understand the necessity for people to, to be able to talk about us amongst us. So, you know, it's a membership only platform. So you can go to SFB, stands for Smart, Funny, and Black, sfbsociety.com and check it out. You get a week of free membership, but it really became a necessity because I, I that's what I wanted for myself. And it turns out that hella other people wanted it too. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go and check it out once I'm off this call, for sure. It sounds necessary. So Amanda, I wanted to know if you had any words of advice that you might want to give your younger self in relation to the extract. I mean, honestly, the advice I would give her is just trust your, you trust your path, you know, because there's just a lot of loud voices, yo. Mm. And those, and then those voices become the voices in your head. And next thing you know, you think they're your voice. And that's when it's dangerous. Because mm. you realize that you internalize someone else's doubt. You internalize someone else's limitations. And then you made them your own. And so it's very important to keep those boundaries up. And those boundaries are not iron walls. You know, they're, they're filtered with the things that you care about. They're filtered with your values. You know, they're filtered with what you're confident about. And that's why it's so important to know what you know and, and to work on you. And there's just such a move, I feel like, that's always told to women and, and just Black people in general. There's such a movement against being sure of yourself. It's like, how dare you? You know, we love to try and misnomer confidence as arrogance, and it's not. Arrogance is fake confidence. Arrogance is insecurity that has been uh, masked as surety. Confidence is, no, nah, I know what I'm talking about. Why do you know what you're talking about? Well, because receipts, you know, and, and you have to have the receipts for yourself. You know, like when I go on stage, I'm not nervous anymore, but there's ever so often the, the rare occasion where I'm like, I really don't know what I'm about to say on when I get on this stage. But before mm -hmm. nerves at this point can even creep in in that space, I'm able to tell myself with full confidence, like, now bitch, you know, you know how to do this. Get up there and kill the shit, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's because I know that. Mm -hmm. I have proven that to myself multiple times. And so I keep encouraging folks to like, make a list of the things that you know that you know. Then make a list of the things that you're not sure of. And then work on fortifying those things that you know you know, but then the things that you're not sure of figure out ways that you can get sure of that shit, right? If you are riding a bike and you're wobbly, what do you do? You keep riding the goddamn bike until you know how to do it. Next thing you know, you pop the wheelies, you, <laughs> you know, you want a tandem bike, but it's like, we don't apply yeah. that to ourselves mm. and we're not told that we can. And we have to, because this fight is long. This is not a new fight. It's new for us. And for your generation, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it is imperative that you all get strong in the mind. You, you, it is that to me is like mm -hmm. life or death. Mm -hmm. You gotta get strong in the mind. And these things like social media and you know, just people and their bullshit, 
they are mm-hmm. the little things that chip away. Mm-hmm. But you got to get strong in the mind because this fight, colonialism has lasted a really, really, mm-hmm. really long time. And in order for it to be dismantled, it's going to take a really, really, really strong army. I think Liv and I both needed to hear those words of advice, especially around social media. So, yeah, thank you for that. We just have to become fortified in Mm-mm. ourselves so that partnering with each other doesn't feel like giving up a piece of you. You gotta, you gotta like, and you gotta do it without apology. Cause that's what you, you know, I got a homeboy that hit me the other day and he's a well-known <laughs> actor. And he was like, yo, like you, you off your comments. You'll like, talk to me about that. And I was like, what do you want to know? And he was like, I just like, how did you do it? <laughs> And you know, I'm like, I'm like, you know, so exciting. Then you go here. He's like, no, 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 no. I mean, like, he's like, how did you do it without people like giving you shit about it? And I'm like, oh, they did. I didn't care. Mm, 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 mm. Those people don't pay my bills. Those people weren't there when I was on my knees on the floor crying to my friends saying I don't want to do this anymore. Those people weren't there. They wasn't shooting with me in the gym. So it's like, and he was like, yo, you're right. Right. I was like, yo, especially like if you're creative, your contract with the world is to give creativity, not to give yourself. Did, did he then turn off his comments or was he? He's in progress. Okay, okay, okay. He's in third generation. So it's not, it's like, okay, I got that, I got that, and then I got that. <laughs> he really just was like, I just wonder if it's going to like affect my career. And mm, so these are gosh. things because definitely people yeah. have put these things on it, you know, and listen. Even with my social media, like I know how much reach I get for my projects and for my voice with social media. So, you know, there's been times where I'm just like, I'm out, but it's like, it's not realistic to where we are in the space, but you got to figure out how to make it make sense. You got to just think for the long haul, you know, and it's just, you can't give so much of you to a space that doesn't give back. But I worry about y'all. I do. I worry about us. It's scary. It's scary. When I I see the impact that it's having on like the mental health of so many people around me where they feel like they have to give themselves and their emotional energy and like share every part of themselves and all of the deepest, darkest, most like intimate moments. I think, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a space and a place for sharing and for being open and honest, but it can't be to the detriment of your own, you know, internal joy and, and, and happiness and well-being. So I mean, people think I've never had a boyfriend because I just don't share. <laughs> so they're just like, that's yeah. why you... Like, I, I had people telling me that's why you single while a nigga was literally, like, between <laughs> my legs. <laughs> oh. Like, like, while someone is, like, literally, like, kissing me, saying I love you, like, that's why you single. I'm like, it's fascinating. You know, but it's because we just live, we, we've created this world of access that makes people feel like if they didn't see it, it, it didn't, didn't happen. happen. No, exactly, exactly, exactly. But, but, but if you take it a step back, it's like, why do you feel like you need to see it? Mm, mm, mm. Why? You know, why do you feel like you need to see it? And I think there's, you know, there's just a lot around that. And it's scary because it also... I'm not even a religious person, but I just real I just know that there's so much that you really like hope is about having, you know, confidence in that which can happen. So if you're only living on the grounds of 
If it didn't see it, it didn't happen. Where does your hope come from? Yeah. For sure. And like, we have to have that. If we don't have that, we'll crumble because there's just so much that takes time to develop. So you got to have hope. So it's like, if you're living in just that space, it's a real, it's a real dark, dark space to live in. And that's where a lot of people have, have transferred to, you know, and I'll say the confidence in yourself and what you could do and, you know, possibility, like those are the things that allow you to be open to possibilities with others. And that creates ways for vibration and energy to exchange, to elevate, et cetera. And, you know, I always talk about like black love is revolutionary is that, cause at this point, so many brothers are just beat down and, and are not finding ways to have confidence versus arrogance. So they feel like they can't have selflessness with their partners because it's like, no, you're trying to take my identity. And it's like, I just, I just like you. I just like you. That's really what's happening here. Um, Amanda, what do you think that your younger self would think about where you are now? She's really happy that I got a Benz. She was really about that. Yes. At 18, I was like, I'm going to have Benz at 21. She was very about that. That did not happen at 21, but it <laughs> did happen eventually. And she's very pleased. I think my younger self is also just really happy about the fact that I've reconnected with my younger self to heal her. When you're at your mom's house for three months, you know, during quarantine, you're like, well, let's see what you're doing, younger self. You know, because you're sleeping in your childhood room. You still got the glow in the dark, dark stars on <laughs> You know, it's like, you still got like the same shit, you know, like I painted a sunflower on the blinds in like 19, you know, 92. And my mom came home from work and I was like, what's going to happen? And she was like, oh, all right. Because I don't know what made me think I could do that. That sunflower is still there on the blinds. Has it made you feel nostalgic? Sort of being, spending so much time at home? Or was it more just delving into other part, parts of the past? I mean, it was both. Like, I got a trampoline because I missed having my trampoline when I was younger. And it was like, I'm back, bitch. Let's do it. You know, I get to go look through. I mean, my mom and I are both, I wouldn't say we're hoarders, but we're like archivalists. You know, like we keep the important things. And it just seems like a lot of things, you know, from that time, like my mom really kept like things that I may have not thought were important, but that she was like, no, this is. And you're like, oh, wow, look at this. This is a movie ticket from Set It Off. So, you know, I, I do, I mean, I'm a cancer. That's part of like our traits, but I'm just a nostalgic person. Like I really love just seeing how we got here and where we came from. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a treat. So insightful, so many gems. Well, you all, thank you so much for having me. Keep doing the damn thing with a gallem. <laughs> and, you know, stay strong. Keep up the good fight out there, okay? Thank you. That was great. Just very powerful. I felt like she, um really had a message that she wanted to get across yeah. to the younger generation. Obviously, she did say that explicitly a few times as well. But yeah, it was just lovely to be on the receiving end of that and to, to learn from her. Yeah, it was advice. It was advice for me and you as much as it is for like anyone that's listening. And I think, it, I mean, that's the same with every guest. I feel like I take so much from, from each and every one of them. But I think I genuinely, I've just been looking at like the impact that this way of being so digital and like switched on all the time I've been looking at the impact that that's had on like my best friends and the people that are closest to me and 
I think it's a real struggle. It's a real struggle. And for so many of us, like so much of our like identity and like lives and like relationships and just like sexuality, all of these things are just like such public, become such public things. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I think visibility is important, but I do think that there's like lessons to be learned in terms of like how much of yourself you feel like you you need or you should give over or you feel comfortable to give over. Because I'm sure that in my earliest days of like doing press and speaking about things, not saying that I'm 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 not I'm not a particularly closed person, but just to have that foresight or, or, or that knowledge of like you can save bits of yourself for yourself that can be sacred. Yeah, I think that's like particularly relevant to you and I think for me what was probably the most relevant is this the sort of dealing with the criticism that you receive from being a public figure you know in so much as obviously I'm no Amanda Seals not even close to that but but being a journalist you know you have people commenting underneath your articles you have people giving you feedback on Twitter anyone who's listening to the last episodes of this knows that I was starting CBT some therapy um last week and in one of the sessions we did actually she was just talking about I was just saying how like you know one of my worries is that I'll I'll do a uh, fuck up in some way and write something stupid or like, you know, whatever. And you'll be cancelled and it will be the end of the world. And I'll be cancelled and like, you know, it's, you know, and it's like, she she basically in a very basic but important way made me like talk through it and like what would actually happen and what like made me analyse why I wouldn't like just back myself yeah. in that situation. Mm-mm-mm. Like, because as, as Amanda was saying as well, like, as long as you have the receipt, then it's okay like people will criticize you sometimes you do need to be held accountable and sometimes people are just people just actually talk shit like there are actually a lot of people on the internet that actually their job is just to talk shit and they dress it up in this idea of like we are the arbiters of moral justice and we know everything and no one knows anything and Half the time, that's not true. (laughs) No, for sure. As in, like, I'm not... That's not to say that I haven't ever been guilty of, like, falling into that trap of, like, becoming an arbiter of moral moral justice. And also, not even to say necessarily that I don't think it's important sometimes. Like, I do think accountability is important, especially for particularly, like, powerful public figures. But there's ways and ways of doing it, right? And there's, like... I just think it's so difficult to, to correctly hold someone accountable... Um, on the interwebs and on Twitter in a way that doesn't immediately become kind of quite grim. Yeah, I'm just not involved. I'm just absolutely not involved. And you know what? Even like, I mean, we're, we're rambling so much now. But, um, but even in the um, ep with Michaela Cole, where she's just like, just get off the... And I know it's, you know, you get to different points in your career when you actually can take a step back and and the work is just the work and you don't need to consistently kind of like showcase and publicize that work or Mm -hmm. always be there but yeah I I mean I kind of can't wait for the day when I'm not you know that's not it's not necessarily such an integral part of your portfolio of the work that you do I think for sure like I I would love to not have to share any articles on Twitter (laughs) or whatever that would be fantastic they just they just find their way to people and that's like fine but yeah loved it stunning thanks chick thanks pal this has been an II Studios production. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune into the next one. You can find Growing Up with Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review, rate us, and subscribe. It really helps the show. And if you'd like to find out more about Galdem, 
you can head over to our Instagram page at galdemzine. That's G-A-L-D-E-M-Z-I-N-E. Or you can visit our website, which is G-A-L hyphen, which is important, D-E-M dot com. Galdem has a book which is out now. It's called I Will Not Be Erased, Our Stories About Growing Up as People of Colour. You can find it in all good bookstores or online. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.